Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women's Scholars and Professionals podcast. My name is Anne Boyd, and I'll be your host. We at Women's Scholars and Professionals are here to support women in their God-given callings into the university and beyond. So if you're a graduate student or a faculty member, an administrator or a student in professional school, a scholar, in-between jobs, or simply a person who supports women in the academic world, then this podcast is for you. How do you live well when you're in a busy season? What practices can help nourish you when there is very little white space at the edges of your life? In this special episode, we're continuing our series of Dear Mentor Conversations, where we answer some of your most pressing questions. Today, we're talking about thriving in the midst of a full life. Karen Heiskuzman, Director of Women's Scholars and Professionals, sat down with three women faculty members, two married with kids and one single, representing the fields of chemistry, sociology, and history, and recorded their thoughts and practices for living your best life in the midst of your busiest life. First up, we'll hear from Ruth Lopez-Turley, sociology professor at Rice University in Houston, Texas, and director of the Kinder Institute for Urban Research. Ruth offers solid advice on setting boundaries, finding clarity in your own goals, and adjusting your practices to suit the unique needs that come with different stages of life. How do you live well when things are really busy or when things are really challenging? What is it that you need in your life in those seasons particularly so that you can live well during them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, first of all, that's a great question. Thanks for doing this because there are things I wish I had known or things that I wish I had thought about more seriously earlier in my career. And so, so it's great that you're doing this. So hopefully this is helpful. And of course, everything that I'm about to say, it's just, it's my experience. And so sure. I, you know, everyone should take it with a grain of salt. Like, But for me, uh, what has been extremely helpful is my family to force me. And I, and I am using the word like to, to force me to take time away from work, away from all those responsibilities. And even to force me to take them, there's the physical space but then there's the mental space right because you can you can take time off of work in quotation marks uh, but still be thinking about work and still you know how that goes and and that's not that's not enough right Uh, it's, it's very important to have that mental space as well to take time to for your mind to be elsewhere and to allow it to to be elsewhere and I would take it one step further than that and to allow yourself to not feel guilty about it Hmm. The other thing, sometimes people, I, I've experienced this sometimes where I would take time off of work, but then be thinking about work or feel guilty about not doing something that I knew I needed to do. But over the years, I have learned to, and and don't get me wrong, I wouldn't say that I've arrived, <laughs> still working on this, but over the years, I have learned to get better at that and and to really be present, to be present at work 
that applies at work too, to be present at work, but also to be present uh, when I'm not at work and when I'm with my family and and doing all the, all the things that I do with my family. So for me, it's very helpful to, like I said earlier, to be forced to mm-hmm. to take time off of work. And don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's not, most of the time, it's not that I'm taking time off entirely when I'm with my family. It's also work and also, um, you know, with all the responsibilities that come with that. But it's very different work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's important. It's important to pivot and then focus on other things that are extremely important. And I have two boy, teenage boys that are uh, both athletes and they're involved in, they have a lot of sports activities. So I often spend uh, my weeknights or some of my weeknights and weekends at tournaments and then at swim meets and, and all of that. And, and I do sometimes I take work with me. But then when it's time, you know, to go and cheer for my, for my boys, then I do that. And, and it's so much fun. Like it is, it's life-giving, it's refreshing. It's, it's exciting to think about the future. Really it's what it is when you see your kids develop and do things so much better. (laughs) Uh, It's exciting to think about the future and it's okay that I'm, I'm watching the next generation uh, develop and that gives me hope and it's it's very refreshing yeah yeah I'm curious as you think back to when uh, your boys were younger mm-hmm. and um, sometimes the pace is different with younger children mm-hmm. and you think about your more of the front end of your career your boys are young are there things for folks that are in that particular stage of life, perhaps that you would suggest would help make for living well in those really busy times uh, with little kids and career things. Right. Yeah. Those days were very different because obviously when you have a little creature that depends on you, it's also beautiful in its own way. Obviously, Mm -hmm. believe it or not, some days I actually miss them. I miss that version (laughs) of them. Sure. Um, so cute and cuddly and all that, but I'm not. Also, I'm not kidding myself, as my husband likes to remind me. He's like, really missed that those days. Like, come on, like, those were hard days, and they were. They were hard. What I really benefited from, uh, well, I would say two things. One is my husband was extremely, still is extremely helpful in, like, not just helpful. Like he, he actually the primary child care role in our family. And so, so this is one area where this may not apply to some people, but for us, that's what worked out best um, in that I've uh, always been the one that, that works full time and is really embedded in my work. And he works part time. This is, you know, a decision that we made early on in our marriage and that he, you know, that takes care of the children that has been extremely helpful to me. I mean, otherwise I don't think I would, would have been able to to manage this thing well, like mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. doing everything that I have done in my career and be a mom and be a wife and all that. There's sure. no way you can't, you can't do it all. And you have to make explicit decisions um, and with your partner, right. To make an arrangement that's truly, that's not just something that you can get by at, but where you've, because you'll burn out. You will burn out mm-hmm. if, if it's something that you can barely get by it. And be willing to make adjustments over the years as life stages change, as job situations change. So like 
you know, now that I am directing the Kinder Institute for Urban Research, it is, you know, taking up more time. I have more travel, more speaking engagements, more, more of a lot of things, right? And before I took on this position, Steve and I talked a, a lot about what it, what it would mean. And, and we made a very explicit decision that he would make some adjustments in order for me to take on this role. So it was a joint decision. I didn't just accept this new role without some discussions with my husband. Although he also bared with me very honestly. He's like, well, it's not that I'm happy about this. <laughs> uh, like taking on more responsibilities at home because it hasn't worked out perfectly. It's, it's kind of unfortunate that I'm the one that enjoys cooking, for example. I enjoy cooking. He does not enjoy cooking. But the way the... our situation is he you know I had to say you know I need to ask you to take on more of the cooking responsibilities and he's like you're Mm -hmm. right (laughs) that negotiation Mm -hmm. and that flexibility as the situations change and I'm sure that it'll Mm -hmm. continue to change as as uh as we change and our boys change and all of that but um lots of help that's the that's the main thing is like don't we should never feel like it's on us it's Mm -hmm. you know it's our responsibility and and sure it is but it's not only our responsibility and and if we feel like we don't have enough support um there's nothing wrong with admitting that and asking for help and from other folks too, not just, you know, because we've, we've received over the years, we've received help from um, his parents, help from friends at times. We still, you know, we have neighbors that we, you know, we negotiate rides and all kinds of things. It's just community is extremely important. Um, And I think it's designed this way for a reason to force us to to be dependent on other people and for other people to be dependent on us. And and that's not a bad thing. Sure. So curious, do you have any tips for folks that need to figure out <laughs> how to create boundaries? I know particularly, again, for women that are at the more of the front end of their career, there's mm-hmm. a tendency to feel obligated to say yes to everything mm-hmm. when you're putting together your tenure packet and you want it to look like you have this robust presence in the department and all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when things are really busy, right, we need, we need to create some boundaries. Otherwise work just bleeds into everything else. Right. Right. So any, anything that you've found that's been helpful that has to create some boundaries to learn to say no. Yes. Uh, And, but, but let me start off by saying that's a really hard one. That's so hard. Um, so I, I understand why people have a hard time with this. But for me, I somebody told me some years ago, uh, gave me some advice that I thought was really, really good. They were trying to tell me, like, you're saying yes to a lot of things and you need to learn how to say no to things and really develop the skill set of the thinking of, okay, okay, these are the things that are important, like decide ahead of time. These are the things that are important, the things that I'm going to focus on both just in terms of work, but also more broadly, you know, to, to, it's, it's like, this is, this is my mission, right? This is what, this is what I'm going to focus on. So in order for you to do that, well, that means that you have to, you have to say no to a lot of things that don't align with that mission. And that can be really hard because what you're saying, no, you're, you may be saying no to some fantastic 
opportunities and things that, that are wonderful. So it's not like you're saying no to, you know, oh, this is useless. No, I mean, things that are truly amazing. And the part that made it really hard for me to say no, no to some things was that I often felt like, oh, this is a chance of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I will never get this opportunity again. So I would feel this tremendous pressure to say yes. And Steve would tell me, like, I know you think this is a chance of a lifetime, but first of all, you don't know that. Um, and second of all, like a chance of a lifetime at the wrong time can go very poorly. Mm -hmm. So the timing is extremely important. So yeah, I've said no to some amazing opportunities and I'll admit in the moment felt really unsure about that but afterwards was like oh so glad <laughs> so glad I didn't uh, take on this opportunity or this responsibility so even like my current position I I had an opportunity to consider it some time ago and I said no because I was developing something else and and I wanted to see it through and in retrospect I'm so glad so glad that I did that there are things like that where I think, and I get it, it's very hard to say no to things. The other thing I would add that there is a skill to saying no. There's a way to say no in a manner that um, doesn't burn bridges, doesn't, you know, doesn't shut the door on something. Although there may be some things where you do want to shut the door on, but where in these other areas where you're not so sure that you just it's a matter of timing and so forth there's a skill there's an art to to saying no and we should we should develop that skill to make sure that we don't burn bridges and we continue to develop relationships with people even if we're saying well we, we can't accept this offer at this time but and use it as an opportunity to talk to them about why it sounds like even over the years the skill of discernment is being developed as well. Yes, right? Learning it gets to better. Discern. Yes, mm -hmm. it gets better over time because then you develop more confidence in sure. saying no. Like, if, for example, at first I used to apologize if whenever I said no, like, and I would start with the apology. And, and over time I realized that, you know, no, 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 this is the right thing to do. And this is why. And, and so I don't need to start with an apology, but rather start with thanking them for the opportunity, but then explain why I'm saying no and not necessarily be apologetic about saying no. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can apologize about not being able to help them if they need help, but but not apologize about saying no. Um, but to be clear, I mean, this has taken many years uh, to develop and I'm still developing it. I mean, I, I still... There's some opportunities that come along and I'm like, whoa, I should say yes to this. This is so exciting and not necessarily, or what it would do to my family, like moving somewhere else and and we're not at the right time for something like that. Yeah. So do you find that your any of your spiritual habits or practices change yes. when they're really busy? Are there things that are helpful in those super busy seasons versus again, other spiritual habits or practices that maybe when life is not so crunchy that you are able to enter into. Yes. Um, and this is also one that has 
evolved over time by life stage. Um, I remember when uh, my boys were babies and I would hear people talk about, for example, daily prayer times and quiet times or devotionals or whatever you want to call them, but, but these daily times to just get away from everything and have and be all by yourself. And I'm like, I can't do that. Are you insane? Whoever came up with this idea obviously doesn't have babies, like just obviously. And I would actually find it offensive whenever I would hear it. I would be so put off by it. I'm like, I can't possibly have a spiritual moment. <laughs> it's just not possible. It's literally not possible. And so I would just state that, like, just because you hear someone else talk about their routines or whatever, and so it might work for them, but that's why I said what I said at the beginning, like make a, made a statement, like, this is what's working for me. This may not be applicable to you because I wish more people had said that to me, especially when I was in that life stage, like, are you insane? You can't possibly do that. And, and that's okay. That's what I want to say. It's okay because there are different forms of experiencing and expressing our, you know, these, these spiritual moments, they can be just as powerful, if not more while you're changing diapers, while you're, you know, cleaning up vomit. I mean, it's just, it's not about what you're doing. Yeah. It's about your state of being. Mm -hmm. And once I came to that realization, I found it so liberating, so mm -hmm. liberating this isn't about following there, there, and the other thing, the other realization that, that helped me out is that, that it's not about following rules. And um, there are so many rules that we've just made up. Mm -hmm. We've made up. No, you don't have to have a 15 minute quiet time every morning or, or whatever. Like, no, that's, if that helps you wonderful, mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. But if you can't, if that's impossible for you, that's okay. There are other ways to connect with God and to just, yeah, that is just, to me, so liberating. And it can be, for me, it has been something that is just like, like I'm just thinking about God throughout the day. Um, and it's not even like, uh, oh, I have a set prayer or certain words that I'm saying. No, no, I'm just thinking about God. And most of the time, there it's just feelings, not words, just feelings. Um, that's my way of feeling connected um, to God. And, and sometimes I do pray using words, but um, I actually have learned over the years that what has been most powerful for me is not speaking, but listening. And, and listening is very hard. It's very hard that takes time to, to really focus on God and not be so distracted and not be thinking about other things. I do admit that's very challenging. It's definitely something I'm still working on, but it's something that I find very life-giving is mm -hmm. to, to spend time trying to listen rather than just thinking of prayers as words and just speaking, speaking, telling God all the things that God already knows, right? Like, Sometimes that's helpful, but we also need to uh, spend more time paying attention to God and just listening to what God has to say. Up next, we'll hear from Elaine Park, chemistry professor and recently appointed chair of her department at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. In this brief interview, conducted at Karen's home where Elaine was taking refuge from Hurricane Ian, Elaine offers a balanced perspective on Sabbath, 
rest, and physical wellness that serve as good reminders for us all. And she also recommends an easy meal that can be taken with you on the go. We're sitting in the same room in your house in Atlanta. I escaped Hurricane Ian. Uh, and I decided, I texted you at 4.30 in the morning one day, or the day that I left. Yes. And I was like, can you host me? And part of that, I think, was I, I lived or I went through Hurricane Irma, and I, I knew how stressful that was. So I thought, I'm going to go somewhere where I can actually get sleep. Because I know that once you get can't get good sleep, then it affects your the day-to-day activities. And yes, yeah, that's even right. Even if my house didn't lose power... It's, it was just the peace of mind and maybe even the eight to nine, nine hour drive that I didn't mind just so that I can get to a safe space. Sure. Uh, and so I think just carving out that time and saying, okay, I want to do this for my peace of mind and my priority of good sleep <laughs> to, to come to your nice, comfortable home. <laughs> I think that's one place where I can start to, to talk about where I can, I guess, place my priorities in my life and what I could what I can say I have time for. Sure, sure. So assuming you're at home (laughs) and things are really busy or really stressful, how do you how do you live well in the midst of sort of the regular stress of yeah, of yeah. academic life so and pressure? Away the hurricane now. Yes. <laughs> so sans to- sans hurricane. <laughs> yeah. This year, this academic year actually was a transition of coming back from sabbatical, and so I think I came in a little bit more intentional, trying to figure out what is this new rhythm. Still, I guess it's sort of post pandemic, right? Like it's. It was been. It feels like it's been a while, you know. Before the like, what was it like before the pandemic? And now I feel like we're in that pre-pandemic schedule of busyness, sure. right? And coming back from sabbatical, I jumped into a department chair role, and I thought, oh, this is going to be quite challenging. There's going to be a lot of things to juggle, and in a moment's notice, I might have to drop my research or drop my teaching and um, step in to put out those small fires, I guess, from time to time. I, I think I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest what that new rhythm looks like now. Uh, but I think a lot of that is carving out the time on my calendar. I rely on my calendar a lot. Sure. So saying that at least twice a week, I'm an extrovert, so at least twice a week I will not see people in the evenings and have alone time at home and not let it be dominated by grading because usually the evenings can be dominated by grading. But I think also carving out per- my personal time on the weekends and making sure I take a day of Sabbath every weekend I remember early in my um, academic career, I met a tenured professor who has been teaching for, I guess, a couple of decades at that point. And he mentioned to me that in the decades that he's taught, he can count on one hand how many times he did not take Sabbath on wow. a weekend. And that made such an impression on me because, I mean, I, I knew going into my academic career that it was going to be one of those things that it would bleed into any minute and day that you like it like the demands of work you can there isn't really boundaries to them that come with the job right sure so if you consciously put them in then maybe they'll be a little bit better if i carve out that time on the weekends to really not think about work and um really get the rest and fun and play that i 
that we all deserve to kind of get your brain to rest. It's almost like you're just giving it recharge time. Sure. I do feel like when I don't work on a Saturday and I end up working on like maybe a Sunday night. So it's like a 24 hour Saturday night to like Sunday night, kind of a Sabbath. Like I I feel like my work is more efficient. Yes. um, Because of that charge. And so... Yeah, I think carving out that time, putting it on your calendar, whatever your like whatever helps you prioritize your tasks. Like for me, I think my calendar helps me organize what I can do or shouldn't do and um so that's that's been a blessing, I think. I think starting small is always it goes a long way. You know, I think in the beginning the idea of taking like Sabbath, like a full 24-hour Sabbath on a weekend seemed impossible in my mm-hmm. head. Um, especially when you're doing new preps on courses and you don't, you feel like you don't know what you're doing and you feel like you have to catch up on so many years of right. things, uh, content that you feel like you need to reteach yourself in the beginning when you're you know, teaching a new class for the first time. I think it was okay to start small, like, like a 12 hour day say, okay, I'm going to guard from the morning of Saturday that I wake up to that Saturday evening and I'm just going to do something fun for me, myself that day. And I, I think I did start small in the beginning. I didn't have this, like, legalistic pressure on myself, even though I am sometimes, like, like I'm a rule follower. And, and when someone, like, a Christian tells me, like, oh, I haven't I haven't broken the Sabbath rule, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I, you know, I can get kind of caught, be like, I should do this or I'm not a good Christian. But I, I think I had to let go of that and say, okay, realistically in this season, for hopefully a short period, shorter period of time, can you carve out eight hours of a day mm-hmm, and not mm-hmm. think about work? And I actually, there's um, one thing I did do in the beginning because it was such a bad habit is I can control myself better with my phone now, but when my phone was linked to an e- like my work email, I purposefully set the work email uh, so that it didn't, like the notifications didn't come on my dash, like the yeah. front of lock screen of my phone. So... I would need to purposely go into that mail app to actually see if I got a work email. I haven't been able to figure out the exercise part, though. I usually (laughs) have like a three to four, uh, maybe even five times a week exercise that I used to do before the pandemic. But now it's sort of trying to figure that out again, like getting back into the gym or can I like yeah. you know with her with masks without right, masks right. my students are still getting COVID like we're all yeah. you know my faculty colleagues are still getting COVID so I think trying to figure out is there what does that new rhythm look like so do you find that the physical aspect building time for exercise into your schedule that 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 the physical piece actually helps you with the mental and emotional piece when things are busy oh yeah absolutely I think if I when I build that exercise routine into my schedule on a pretty like frequent or like regular basis I think in something like that pent-up energy and and restlessness and stress is like it's just nice to be able to you know put it out there before the pandemic I was in a kickboxing and that was really nice because I would just box my way you know like all the the anxiety and stress I would just take it out and it just felt so great to do that so I think trying something new is always a kind of a nice distraction and if you like the active 
outdoor activities of sorts too that's also kind of nice because if you're for example I I picked up kayaking when I moved to Florida and it's nice that you can't really look at your phone because you're paddling with both hands yes and and so uh, doing something that purposefully will distract you in a way that you can't look at your phone yes Um, and I think putting it down putting your phone down in a different room is also helpful too sure yeah because I think we're we're realizing that devices is like the sort of the the crutch or the what do you call it um, sort of stuck on you somehow right. in a way right. that it, it prevents you from taking a break from work. Can I share a go to yeah. like I don't know if it's a, I guess it's a meal it's like a light meal yeah that I can share yeah absolutely really really helpful uh, for me recently I started. Uh, putting together like on a Sunday night, uh, like an overnight oats that I could eat for the entire week. Even if I don't get to eat it in the morning, which, you know, simple cup of coffee is what does for me. But if I have the jar of oats ready for me to dig into for lunch, because often by the time it becomes 2 p.m., I realize I didn't eat lunch. (laughs) And so at least there's something there ready for me to Uh eat. And it's super easy to put together because I just put five mason jars in a row, put, you know, banana, oats, and almond milk or whatever milk of choice, and then fruits on top. And it's just like something that's somewhat healthy, just something that I don't have to think twice about. It's just always there. And yes. I don't feel, I don't have to feel guilty eating it either. Yeah. So and think about easy. what am I going to do? Because mm-hmm. it's there waiting yeah. for you. That's great. <laughs> Thanks Thank for care. the tip. <laughs> Let's hear now from Cynthia Prescott, history professor and recently appointed department chair at the University of North Dakota in Grand Forks. Cindy shares her thoughts on sustainable life rhythms, the concept of satisficing, and the struggle to find clarity on what truly brings joy when a busy season drains you. One of the things I love about being a professor is that I have a really flexible schedule, right? And I can work at times that that sort of are productive for me rather than needing to to punch in and out of a time clock. I used to see that as a real asset in terms of, oh, I can work. I'm a night owl. I can work at night. I can do whatever I need to do. And then I became a mom and things changed dramatically for me at that point where I started to be much more bothered by bleed between work time and home time and free time and there was a time in my life when it's like oh well the grocery store is less busy on you know Tuesday at 9 a.m so let's go then and so there's still some things like that that I I try to take advantage of but once I had kids in daycare or now they're in my kids are in elementary and middle school I try to really pack my work time into whatever their schedule is whatever time they are away from me sure is when I'm trying to work which is not to say that ever I spend every moment that I'm not working intensively interacting with my kid, but I find myself aligning much more with a more traditional, not quite nine to five job, but a more sort of traditional work week and trying to protect evenings and weekends as time that I'm not doing that. Sure. So that work and breaks from work are more clear mm-hmm. and trying to, to sort of draw those boundaries doesn't mean that it's an eight to five job necessarily. It's you know, it might be an eight to three when the kid gets out of school and then I spend the afternoon, late afternoon shuttling them to activities. And then it's baby squeezing in a couple hours in the evening or or maybe that's this Saturday and the week that I'm going to a conference, then I have to work. 
and the kids need to be doing something else. But I try to be really intentional about thinking about that, right? So if it's shuttling kids to an activity that lasts for an hour and then turning around and going back, then I try to treat that hour as intensive work time as well. I see that as part of my work day, right? Like there was a break there when I had to get up and relocate to move children around, but my work day is still ongoing so that then when I'm off the clock, so to speak, I'm really off. And whether that's having time to have an outdoor adventure with my family on the weekend or read a book or for pleasure or whatever it might be that I'm not feeling guilty about that mm -hmm. either, right? That the, the, the thing is done, for, the right. work is done and not because I find that the fact that I can work anytime and anywhere for most parts of my job means that it's very hard for me to, it used to be very hard for me to turn off the guilt that I'm not getting things done. Mm -hmm. I found for me that the compartmentalizing it has been really helpful. Yes. And so that, that allows me to, to have that, that break. Now, in, in terms of what do I do with that time? Like, what, what do I need in my life? I think outside of school or work, I really need quality time with my family. That means interacting with my kids or doing stuff I want us to do as a household. Mm -hmm. And also that's something I'm trying to have be part of my life on a daily or weekly basis, right? Quality time just with my husband and with close friends, maybe can't be a daily thing, but, but on a weekly or monthly basis, quality time with extended family, you know, on a yearly basis. And that's something I really need. In terms of what do we do in that time, that's an area where I think I'm, I've been struggling. Mm -hmm. Partly because a lot of the things that I enjoyed most three years ago have really changed during since the pandemic. I was in book clubs that met, two different book clubs that met monthly. We would maybe get the book read and we would maybe spend 20 minutes out of the evening talking about the book we were supposed to be reading. But it was mostly really, it was just a chance for us to to have time with right, other right other friend, close friends, but it was, you know, get together and share a meal or share, you know, share snacks and have fun, have time together. We've gotten out of that during, during the pandemic and partly, you know, for a time we tried meeting over zoom. We try, we've tried some other things. It's been hard to restart that. That's been tough for me to sort of adjust to and think about like, what does it mean to have meaningful gatherings given right. that right and and i think the pandemic has reset many of our expectations for activities right mm -hmm. like i think there was a lot of soul searching about like how many of these activities are really beneficial to me how feeling like we don't want to just be running all the time i mean i think where i am right now is a transition point where my kids are back into all of the activities right we have we haven't succeeded on permanently trimming back my kids activities and so <laughs> right. I find I, I'm permanently cutting back mine to a con you know, so that we're not so at least there's one night a week I'm not running around crazy we're constant we always have to be constantly reprioritizing sure right, that mm -hmm. what works in one season doesn't necessarily work at another yes. and so I think I've been in a, a transition season in that sense and sort of for me personally and for my household thinking about what works for us where we are right now, mm -hmm. what works for us with the age of our kids right now. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, my husband and I used to count on having an hour after the kids were in bed. That was our time, even if that was just watching a TV show we both enjoyed or whatever, that that was our time together. Now that we have an almost teenager, you know, she would like to stay up later than we would like to stay That's up. Right. And so we're having to recalibrate a lot of those things in terms of thinking about what's doable or what's what works for us in, in this season in our lives. Yeah. I have found the past few months that I've been struggling more with fatigue, right? And just 
and fighting against little cold or whatever that I picked up and I can't seem to get past. And part of it I chalk up to getting older. I'm fighting I need more rest, conscious rest than I I used to. Partly hours of sleep, the sort of physical downtime and also the intellectual and emotional downtime. Yeah. I'm finding I need much more than I used to. And I'm becoming much more aware of myself as an introvert. I think I used to pretend to be an extrovert. I'm enough of a joiner that, oh yeah, that sounds like a great activity. And that sounds like a great activity. I find myself just like, I don't have the energy to do those things anymore. Right. And so part of me just sort of feels like, oh, well, maybe that's not worth that effort on my part. Right. Maybe, maybe I need to find different ways to rest, different ways to interact. Right. And recognizing that as a, as an introvert, what I really care about is intimate interactions with a few close friends rather than lots of activities with groups cir circles of five or ten or twelve other people a few years ago I was filling my free time with activities with other people because I knew I I craved the social interaction and now I'm at a place in my life where it feels like work too much work to make that happen, right? Like I would have to make the effort to coordinate people and to negotiate what we all feel safe doing and to negotiate the terms and coordinate around everyone's kids' schedules to make it work. And I'm like, well, I'm having, I'm starting to reevaluate some of those things. Like, is that really worth my effort if I wasn't entirely feeling fed by that activity anyway? I enjoyed it, it was fun in the time, but do I want to be the one organizing all of those activities? Very much a work in progress for me, but working out, you know, where can I in this season, in this moment, what's working for me right now? What can, what can I do? What is my priority, right? And that's, so that's one thing I can do. Um, I have one other friend who I know was also struggling in, in terms of social connections and um, I had finally just asked her, like, what can I do for you? Um, that we we're both sort of craving, feeling this personal connection. And yet there are all these barriers. Right. And she said, well, you know what, what I really need is someone who will text with me regularly. Um, and so I said, yes, that that's something I could. Texting is not my preferred form of communication. Right. It's not it's not it wasn't immediately comfortable to me to do that because that's not how how I was would prefer. Right. Um, and I don't think in the long run, it's what she would prefer either, right? She'd rather we get to spend the day together. But this is something we can do right now. And it's texting is something that works around all of the other things going on in our lives, right? In terms of the scheduling complications with driving our kids places. It works around COVID. It works around um, having little snippets of time rather than a half a day to spend together. Uh, and so, yeah, so, you know, one of my strategies recently has really been looking for those things that work work right now for this season what works right now might not be what works six months or a year from now or it might not might be that that's what works right. for me yeah during this literal season right like in winter when i in north dakota it's not very practical to hang out outdoors with your friends right yeah so say so, yeah what works right now and i i think giving permission and uh, another word that i've been using a lot is satisficing satisficing right like the house is clean enough the kids are uh, organized enough uh, that's something I've been working on for years in terms of 
my expectations for myself, for my research productivity, for cleaning my house, whatever it is. But I'm also recognized, I think I've been in a, a season of satisficing in terms of social interactions and figuring out sort of what works for me. And one of the, one of the questions you had you had shared with me in advance was, what activities do you do just for joy during the school year? And that was the question I was having the most trouble answering, sadly, um, as I was thinking about the various questions you had shared with me in advance, Karen, because I thought, wow, what is actually bringing me joy right now? Yes. And, uh, and it hurt to realize, like, nothing immediately came to mind that I felt like the last few weeks, I at least I had just, since the school year started, I had just been sort of hanging on by my fingernails rather than finding joy. Yeah. And I think there are a number of reasons for that, right? I've been struggling with just getting by right now. You know, on one level, that's that's really sad and something I need to think about, right, in terms of actually finding joy. Uh, but I also think we have to give ourselves permission to not, like, to also satisfy us on the level of joy, right? I maybe am not doing lots of activities that I are my favorite activity. You know, if you, you ask me to list, what are your favorite activities and which of those things are you doing right now? I maybe not aren't doing any of those things right now. If it doesn't immediately come to mind as something that's that fills me with joy, but it's maybe meeting my sort of needs for rest and recovery in that season and recognizing that that sometimes what I need is that rest rather than, you know, the top 10 favorite things for Sydney to do, right? Maybe or not, not the priority right now, but that that needs to be a short season, right? I mean, like needs to be, there needs to be an end to that. There needs to be, there need to be things that I am looking for, forward to that, that would be on my list of joyful things, right? And so doing the planning to make those things happen as well so that I have those moments of joy, right, or, or periods of joy. And, and for me as a planner, it brings me a, an element of joy as well, just the, the anticipation of them. And it gives me that light at the end of the tub a little of like, oh, this is a rough week, but we get to go do that thing that I truly enjoy, right? Um, and so try to make space for those things eventually. Busy seasons are real and they are a challenge, but these three women are testaments to the fact that you can make it through in one piece, even in the busiest of times. I hope that you heard in these words an invitation to give yourself grace through boundaries, through Sabbath, through satisficing, or just through the knowledge that whatever you have on your to-do list, the Lord is with you in the process. God loves you and cares deeply about you and your work. So to close our episode, I've included a bonus section where Ruth invites us to probe into the deepest reasons that undergird our times of busyness. And you'll find that if you listen all the way to the end of the credits. The Women's Scholars and Professionals podcast is hosted by me, Anne Boyd, and is a production of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. We acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may not necessarily represent the ministry, doctrine, or policies of InterVarsity. You can find more information about our podcast and the other cool things we are doing at thewell.intervarsity.org. Our work is funded solely through the donations of our listeners and supporters. So if you enjoyed this podcast, you might consider joining our support team by donating even $10 per month. You can find out how to do this at our website. 
To ensure others will find and enjoy our podcasts as well, please consider rating and reviewing our podcast. It really helps. And sharing it with others. And as we close, listen in on these questions from Ruth about busy seasons. Yeah, the other thing that comes to mind is just to always take, it's important to periodically take time to evaluate why we're busy. Yeah. Like I said, sometimes there are very good reasons uh, to be busy, but sometimes not so much. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we we're in a culture of busyness and that if you're not busy, you're you're not important or you're not significant or whatever, and that you're just supposed to be busy or at least appear to be busy because you're trying to like impress people or things like that. There are some things that we don't have to do. And there are, you know, of course, things that we have to do, but then there, there are things that we don't have to do. And 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 that's something for us to consider from time to time. I think it's mm-hmm. really good to evaluate, even, you know, perhaps even make a list of all the obligations that we have and look through them and truly consider, or maybe even ask someone that you know well, that knows you well, that you trust, that can tell you like, yeah, these things don't seem to be quite as central quite as important and mm-hmm. and uh and a willingness to it can be scary right but a willingness to cut things out in order to make room for things that are truly important from a spiritual perspective things that are truly life-giving again from a spiritual perspective this doesn't necessarily mean i'm not just talking about like oh just you know to have fun and to give me pleasure and whatever and you know, it, it is important to have fun, of course, but I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about things that are truly life-giving, that are blessings from God and and to make, yeah. to make room for those. So I think it's important to evaluate why we're so busy mm-hmm. um, and what can be or should be cut out. 